Good morning. Grace and peace to you. So, uh, I didn't realize I'd promised Don that this would be a different lesson. Nothing like pressure, you know. <laughs> Luke 5.16. Last week we uh, had the opportunity to make a joyful noise. And wasn't that fun? Yeah, it was fun. It was a wonderful way to worship God. Of course, he gives us that. So Today we talk about prayer <clears throat> and the power of it. Of course, prayer is only powerful because God is the one who answers. So we have to always keep that in mind. Luke 5.16, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. I'm just amazed at that. Here is Jesus, the Son of God. Slipping away often, and we even read in another place he prayed all night. But he has to pray to his Father. Isn't he God? Why does he have to pray to God? I think this really demonstrates and accentuates his humanity. That he really was human. He really gave up his privileges, as we read in Philippians, when he came here to become one of us. But being God in the flesh, he knew the great need for his heavenly father and we can only imagine where Jesus might have been without prayer. And that would not be a good place to go. Then I wondered, what, would he, what did Jesus pray for? You think when he went away at those times by himself off into the de desolate places that he prayed for good health? And he had a lot of food to eat and nice weather? Maybe he did, but I can't believe that was the focus of his prayer. He probably was asking for wisdom, spiritual strength, zeal for God, focus on the work and the task at hand that he might bring glory to God. And then again, we ask the question, if Jesus did this, what about us? How much time do we need to spend in prayer and tap into the power of God? I really think it's one reason the church languishes today. We're still trying to do it by ourselves. We're not trying to do it at all. And we're not asking God's help. I want to introduce uh, just a one quick topic here and we've been that was in the bulletin article last week if you read that um, about our 31 days of prayer in October regarding our nation and the upcoming election and let's turn to 1 Timothy 2 
where Paul says, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We're to pray for kings and those in authority. That has to do with us today. We don't have a king. Thank goodness. Thank the Lord. We got rid of the king back in the 18th century. But we do have a government, and we're to pray for them. Governments are established by God, but I think our nation's leadership today is acting to disrupt the people and lead us away from being able to lead that tranquil and quiet life. If we just look in the news, and even as was prayed and announced, what a mess this country's in. Can't even decide which bathroom people are supposed to go in. Riots, troubles of all kind, confusion in schools. It's a mess. It's a mess. So they need our prayers. Look at the 8th verse. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissent. You know, he's not saying, I don't think he's not saying women aren't supposed to pray. We want the ladies to pray as well. I think here he's probably talking about in the congregation. So I want you to pray. We need prayer. And so he's appealing there to the brothers, to the leadership role, whether it's in the home or in the church, that you're to be the ones to lead in prayer. and Lift up those holy hands to God and say, Lord, you're our only hope. Today when we're done, uh, everyone is going to get one of these little booklets. Pray 31, okay? And we have many of them. We have extra. If you have a good friend that you think would pray, then you can take one and give them to them. All right? We're taking this very seriously. All right, this is just not some little novelty thing we want to do. This guides us through the month of October, 31 days in October, different parts of the nations and aspects of our country for which to pray. There's little thoughts in here on prayer, some scripture quotes and some just quotations from other uh, religious leaders, shall we say. So we really want you to consider this carefully and seriously as we approach this election, as we see the, the chaos, the trouble, and the confusion that's going on in our nation. But we need God to come down and guide us in the right way. In our lesson, and we can turn back to Psalm 144 now, you know, we, we talk about why pray. You know, if you just think prayer is some kind of religious exercise because God says to pray, then you know what? This isn't for you because you've already missed the boat. But prayer has an effect. And what we want to look at today is what prayer can do that nothing else can do. All right? that nothing else can do. And this is the power of prayer. First of all, there's four points, so you'll be happy about that. 
prayer enlists God's help beyond his usual ways of working, beyond his providence. We know that God is always working, don't we? He has his purposes, his goals to achieve, and his ends to fulfill. But prayer calls God to get involved in a situation that he would not otherwise be involved in. Do we understand that? This is what prayer is about. God is not going to just do everything. This is why he wants us to pray and be serious about prayer and have hearts and minds of prayer. And we're actually talking with God to God, Lord, we want you to do this. Otherwise, why does he even have prayer in the book? unless he is listening to us to do something that he wouldn't otherwise do. Psalm 144. This is a prayer of David. You know, many of the prayers of David are in the Psalms, and he was always running from enemies and had troubles round about, and he's always asking God for help. Just listen to this. What David wants God to do And God obviously is not doing this. At least David doesn't think he is. Right? Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains that they may smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and confuse them. Stretch forth your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters, out of the hand of aliens whose mouth speak deceit, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. David says, God, I need your help. I need it now. I want you to come down. I want you to do this. What a picture. What a prayer. Could you pray a prayer like that? Would you pray a prayer like that? You think David's serious about his situation? Do you think David believes God will come down and help him? I think he does. I think David was very close to God. I don't think we pray prayers like this. We want God to come down here and straighten things out, don't we? Or do we? To knock some heads, turn over some tables, and kick some behind. They had a more colorful term in the Navy, but I won't use that. But isn't that what we want God to do? Isn't that what David is saying to God? Don't you come down here and flash him lightning and bow the heavens? Are we afraid of God? Do we think he won't listen to us? Do we not take any of this seriously? We think it's just going to all work out. Do we don't care there's trouble, confusion, lies, people hurting? And the country is going down the hill. Do we not really care? We've got to stop being the nice little Christians. And call for the Lord to come down and scatter all those people who are making a mockery of him, of his son, of his word, and of his church. 
We've got to make that prayer. We've got to show we're sick and tired of it. And God is the answer. And that needs to be our prayer. Maybe their hearts will change. Yeah, we've prayed that prayer. Hopefully they repent. It's kind of apparent they're not going to repent. They need to be blown away. They need to be removed. They need to be stopped. And we need to ask God to do it. We need to pray like that at home. We need to pray like that in the assembly. We need to get inspired. We need to get fired up. We need to believe in the power of prayer. That God will come and do something that he otherwise would not do. Number two. James 4, it's a related thing. Prayer causes things to happen that otherwise wouldn't happen. Let's start with James 4.1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. All right, the, the Christians to whom James was writing had problems, as often the Christians did in those days, like we do. But then look at the next line. You do not have because you do not ask. Now he goes on to say, you ask, do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, so you may spend it on your pleasure. They were even all messed up with their prayers because they were wanting it for the wrong thing, just to have fun, uh, comfort, give me more stuff, and all that. But nevertheless, the principle holds true. You do not have because you do not ask. And that's a fact. What do you wish you had that you've not been asking God for? You've just been trying to get it on your own. You've just been thinking about it. You've just been worrying about it. But you're just too doggone hard-headed to ask God for it. It's, you're not going to get it. Prayer changes the course of history. Prayer changes lives. Prayer causes things to be different for the better. We have to believe that. Because God wants better things for you, and God has promised to answer the prayers of the righteous. You do not have because you do not ask. What are we concerned about? Well, we're concerned about the country. We're talking about the country, so we want to ask about that. But what else are we concerned about? All these empty pews? Where are the folks that normally occupy these pews? We pray about them, visit them, give them a call. What about all the folks out here in this community or that community or that community who don't know Christ? Are we praying about them? 
What about the ones in your family who don't know Christ? Are you praying for them? What about your own weaknesses and faults, the addictions that you have, the bad habits that you have, the weaknesses that you have in serving the Lord? Are you praying about those? Do you really want those removed? Maybe that's it. Maybe we're afraid God would really do it, and we're not ready for it. You do not have because you do not ask. That's a powerful challenge, you know. That's an absolute powerful challenge to you and to me. What do you want? And do you dare ask God for it? Do you dare ask God to overflow this building in a year and make us uncomfortable here and that we might have to go and move somewhere else? You ready for that? Maybe you're not. Shame on you. You do not have because you do not ask. Thinking and worrying about something are not the same as praying about something. It's not. You have to get down on your knees. You've got to open up your heart to God and you go say, Lord, I need this. We need this. We need your blessing. And that That's humbling. Sometimes you humble your heart before you pray, and sometimes as you pray, your heart is humbled when you realize this is the only place to go. This is the only place to be, because I can't handle it. You do not have because you do not ask. Our third thought, Psalm 94 Prayer affects things which are beyond any one person's power to change. You know, you look around us and you say, man, what a big problem we got in this world, in this country, whatever. People are dying of starvation, even in this time of wonderful technology. People still don't have fresh water to drink. They have to walk miles to a creek that's flowing with dirty water and a hundred other things. I can't do it. And you can't do it. But guess who can? God. Psalm 94. Listen to this. this as I read this, I thought, wow, this is like today. We were thinking about our country. O Lord, God of vengeance. He is an avenger, okay? He is an avenger. He's the avenger, not us, him. God of vengeance, shine forth, rise up, O judge of the earth, render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exalt? They pour forth words. They speak arrogantly. All who do wickedness vaunt themselves. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the orphans. And I read that and I said, oh, they're not murdering orphans, but they're murdering babies in the womb. They have said, 
get this, the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. They don't care about God. Wow. You know, and you think, you know, if, if we're thinking again in the context of the election, you know, i got one little vote. We're going to talk about, have a lesson on voting next month. But i got one little vote. What good is that? In one sense, it isn't any good at all, is it? It's really not. It's not big enough to solve the problems of this country. But who is? God. Not overnight, necessarily. Not in a year, necessarily. But God can resolve them. Don't you believe that? Is he not more powerful than Satan? Amen? The problems in our country run broad and deep. The system is twisted and the people are corrupted and only God can bring about the massive change that's needed from coast to coast, from border to border. I'm not saying we don't have a part to play. We continue to be the people of God, to pray, to serve him, to do good wherever we can, to be the light and the salt. But we need to call God to come down and make the big changes that need to be made. And then pray in faith and just watch him work. And see what he does and how he does it because he'll probably do it in a way we never thought. Because that's the way God works. All right, our last thought from Luke 18. Prayer brings God's attention to those things which are truly troubling his children. Are you a child of God? Adopted son or daughter into the family? Yeah, God loves everybody. But when you become his child, special things happen. He's really attentive to you. I'm going to lose, use this parable in Luke 18 because it talks in here about God's elect. Okay? That's you and me. It's God's children. His people. Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. I think sometimes we quit praying because we don't see anything happen. Don't we? You know, our time frame is not the same as God's. It never has been and never will be. We've got to pray and not lose heart. Saying in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect men. He's kind of a crass old guy. <laughs> you know, I'm just my own guy. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. She had a problem. And I want us to understand in this parable that she had no other recourse. Okay? As a woman in those days, that's all she could do was appeal to the judge. She had no other recourse. 
So this is why she keeps coming back to the judge. For a while, he was unwilling, okay? Get away. I ain't got time to mess with you, lady. I'm busy. I'm doing important things. But after what he said to himself, even though I do not fear God and respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, she wouldn't leave him alone. And every morning he walks down to the office and opens the door, and there she is sitting in the entryway. It's me. I need your help. Wouldn't that get to you after a while? Get under your skin, as we say. I need your help. You know, he opens up his computer, and there's a couple emails from her. Hi, it's me. I need your help. On that phone. Oh, there's text. Bing. Oh, it's me. I need your help. He wouldn't leave her alone, or she wouldn't leave him alone. Because the widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. She'll drive me crazy, in other words. Now, here's the point. The Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, listen carefully, you see. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect? You see? The judge cared not for that woman. He didn't know that woman. He, had, he didn't respect men or God. But because she kept coming, he says, I've got to do this. I've got to get her off my back. He says here, won't, won't God, because his elect or his children keep crying out to him, won't God be more attentive than this judge? Because God actually loves his people. And he wants to, he wants to help them. Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cried in day and night, and will he delay long over them? Notice the day and night. Notice the theme of the parable. Pray and not lose heart. That's what we need to do. To our loving Heavenly Father. Pray, 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 and pray some more. I tell you, he will... He will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And once again, the quickly will be in God's time, but he will work, and he will bring about justice. So, be sure, if you're a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of the Lord, and you crying out to him night and day, he hears you, and he is going to bring about what you want. Now again, back to James 4, not the impure motives, not just the frivolous stuff, the serious, heavy things that you need in your spiritual life that to correct wrongs, God is listening, and God will respond. The power of prayer. The power of prayer of faith. I want to close with this little story. And some of you have heard this before, and I think I can remember it. Several years ago in the Midwest, there was this multimillionaire, kind of like this judge, didn't believe in God. It was all about money, money, money. 
okay? Didn't care about people, just make his money. And he found this nice place in this small town, which is kind of situated between a couple larger towns and a couple interstates. He thought, wow, that's a great place to build a casino. And so he bought property, and he started to build his casino. Well, in that town, there was a little church. And they didn't want the casino. They thought it was wrong to gamble. And, of course, that would bring in the drinking and the vice and everything else that comes with it. And so they set about, as soon as they started to build, to say, we don't want this casino. And they would have protests, and they would walk signs, and they had have, like, picket lines, and they would have regular prayers at the church, and they would advertise, you know, come down and pray so this casino will not be built. And they did that all the time. And the casino took about two years to build, and that church was always around saying, hey, we don't want this. Pray, pray, pray. Well, it come about on the very night before it was to open, have the grand opening. The thing was all finished, you know, big place, beautiful looking, and fountains and the whole deal. That very night, there was a huge thunderstorm. And three big bolts of lightning come down and hit that casino, virtually obliterated, set it on fire, and the whole thing was burnt to the ground. Never opened. In about three weeks, the owner of the casino filed a lawsuit against the church. And he alleged in the lawsuit that the church had caused the casino to burn down because of their prayers. Well, came the day of the hearing, the first hearing for this, and, you know, the lawyer for the, the plaintiff stands up. Is that right? For the plaintiff. And uh, says, you know... Ever since we started to build our casino, this church has been praying and protesting and everything, and we think that they caused this lightning to come and destroy this casino. And then came time for the opening arguments for the defense, and the defense lawyer for the church stands up and says, no, we didn't have anything to do with it at all. It was just an act of Mother Nature. Storms come and go all the time, and it was just, just an accident. And the judge pounded his gavel and he said, this is the first time in my life that I've ever sat in a courtroom and had a man who did not believe in God, was all about money, actually believed in the power of prayer, and a church that did not believe in the power of their prayers. What about it? You believe in the power of prayer? That God will do what God needs to do? The power of prayer to enlist God's help in special ways that he would not otherwise work. To cause things to happen that he would not otherwise do. To affect things beyond one person's individual ability and power to affect to bring God's attention to those things that are especially troubling to his children. 
That's the power of prayer. The thing is, do we believe it? And will we do it? It's up to you and up to me. The lesson's yours. You need prayer this morning. You know, it comes to spiritual things. There's a judgment day coming. And, uh, you know, the longer we delay making things right with God, the harder it gets. And you can feel the Holy Spirit sometimes through his word just nudging you and jabbing you. And you, you resist, you resist, you resist. And you keep building up that coat of concrete on your heart. Sometimes God, in special ways, really jabs you good. And you can turn that, that power around and just break out of that coat of concrete and say, Lord, I want to do what you know, what you want me to do. You need prayer this morning? Maybe it's time for you to come and ask for prayer. Whatever's going on in your life, as we've said before, you don't have to be specific to say, I need everybody to pray for me. Maybe it's time for you to obey the gospel. Just to turn from the world and, and lay yourself Lay your life down to Christ and say, Lord, I, I just want to serve you. I want to be free from the devil, free from sin, free from law. Free from the grave. I want to be free. However you might need the Lord this morning, please come while we stand and sing.